The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. So I had been sick the first time, and it was Hodgkin's lymphoma, and they said six months in and six months out. 90% chance of, of Ari, don't worry, if you had to get sick, this is the one. And I went through it, it was terrible, it was really... And then finally, I begin to date again, I get back into my life. Three years later, by a routine CAT scan, I take the scan, I come back, and in my house, the phone is just ringing on the wall. I pick it up, and it's my doctor. Now, my doctor doesn't make phone calls. He has secretaries or he has nurses for that. So if he picks up the phone, it's never good. He had a German accent. Hello, Ari. I said, hey, doc, what's going on? Did I, did I leave my wallet? No, like, what are you calling for? Ari must return to the hospital immediately. I said to him, no, no, no. I only come every six months. What are you talking about? I said, Ari, the cancer has returned when it is aggressive. I remember that moment. I remember just yelling at him. I remember going back to the hospital. And when I walked into the room, he's a yid, a tzaddik of a doctor who was in charge of pediatrics for 20 some odd years, if not more, in Sloan Kettering. And when I walked into the room on site, when he saw me, he started bawling. You know, that's never a good sign. I said to him, Doc, last time you told me 80, 90% chance. What about this time? He said to me, Ari, there are no statistics. You will become a statistic. If what we do works, then we know it works. And if it doesn't, well, well, that's when you start to daven. That's when you start to have tefillah. When, when you start to yell and scream to Hashem like your life depends on it. And if anybody in this room thinks that that worry, that concern, or that passion of your life depends on it, falls squarely onto the shoulders of cancer patients, then you haven't been Jewish long enough. Because we know, as Sarisimei you're fighting for your life right now. You see, again, I was lucky enough to have it front and center. But for everybody else here, it's not like anybody else is better off. The Yoimadin, it's upon us. By Rosh Hashanah, we know Tzadikim, and we know the Rishayim, but we also know that we are all Benunim. So we know that we're all floating right now. Your life depends on it. You know what it looks like when your life depends on it. So when I was then getting my stem cell to come back, I was in the hospital. And my brother Yossi came to spend with me time then in the hospital. It was Simchas Torah. And I said to him, Yoss, the hospital is no place for you for Simchas Torah. We love Simchas Torah. I said, there's a shul a few blocks away. Go there, Davin. I'll stay over here. Yossi goes. There I am in my hospital bed. I'm a few days away from transplant. And so they literally nuke your entire body with enough chemo to really destroy every single cell. And the hope is, is that they reintroduce new cells and that they take. So I'm in an extremely weakened state. The pain is enormous. And I'm laying there. And I looked up to Shemaim and I said, Hashem, I don't know what's going to be in the next few days. So this is it. This is it. If you think, Hashem, that on Simchas Torah night, I'm staying glued to this bed and I'm not going to dance. You got another thing coming. Speak to cancer patients and you're going to see they are the biggest ma'aminim. They don't get, there's nothing that can shake it. Their amun becomes 10, a thousand fold, not the other way around. I'm laying there and I say, Hashem, you think I'm not going to dance on Simchas Torah? <laughs> what could be my last one? I stand up out of bed. I took whatever was hanging from those bags inside me at that moment. And I begin to roll it. I had an art scroll, Rashi Chumash with me, and I had an Nesiva Shalom with me. I said, let's do this. And I start to pull around to go around the bed. And I start singing. Open up. Open up your gates. You want me? Open up the gates. 
but I'm going to dance. I go around once and twice. By the third time, I'm getting extremely just dizzy. And I'm like, Ari, you're dancing all seven. The next one, by the fifth one, I'm literally holding on for whatever I have left. I make it around the seventh one. I plop into the bed. And I yelled, Hashem, if you'll only just give me some more life, if you give me a wife and kids of my own, then I promise you, I will give everything I have, every last bit of talent, of passion, of everything I have to try to bring your children back. And with that, I passed out. Now, it sounds like a nice story up until you hear my brother Yossi tell it. So Yossi, Yossi went to the shul, and then they weren't really dancing all that much. It wasn't his chill, so he came back to the hospital. He said, Ari, I came walking into your room, and first of all, you know that the, the hospital gown has no back, right? So <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what Shemayim was looking at that night. So that's, that's number one. So thank you for that, Ari. Number two is, is that you know that all those things are all connected to the wall, right? <laughs> You can't just walk away. He said, so when you got up, you pulled out every wire. And the entire hospital was like, shut down. You know, doors coming down everywhere. He said, you literally lit the place up like an X-Mystery. And so all the nurses came running to like help you. He said, but I saw you going around the bed and... It sounded like, because I was drugged up on morphine at that point. So you're going around the bed. He said, I can tell you, trying to dance our coffers. And Ari, you were crying and crying. The nurses came in. I said to them, give him a minute. He needs to do this. They said, all the night. And he said, Ari, I momish. I held them back. And then after you hit your seven, Ari, you fell into bed. And he said, it was one of the scariest things I've ever heard. You yelled. You just kept on yelling and yelling. And in mid-yell, you passed out. <laughs> it's like, ah! and he's out. Rabotai, you have to daven like that this week. Your life depends on it. You see, again, I got lucky because I got pushed. But it doesn't mean that you don't daven like that. Your life depends on it. And Baruch Hashem, after that, the treatment went well. I got out of the hospital. Remember, I met Baba Lazaro Buchatzerah. Shalom, Baba Lazar Buchatzer. I went, I met with him. You know, have you guys ever seen a picture? He has a hood over his head. He never had, uh, he never, never, never looked anywhere else. He took my hand and he said to me, The sickness will never come back. And he pulled back his hood and he looked closer and he said to me, Invite me to your wedding. And I thought, There's no chance. At that point, I couldn't control my own spittle coming out of my mouth. I had this green complexion. My eyebrows were just a thing of the past. I was bloated. I, it's not. When you're Dalvin, like your life depends on it. Hashem says, You really want life? Let me show you what it looks like. I get a call from my brother's best friend a few weeks later. His sister wants to go out with me. I said, what's wrong with her? Does she have a mustache? I mean, like, like, what, like what's her deal? I hear she's got to be odd. I, it's like, mustache? No, I'm like, oh. So we go out on one date, another, another. Finally, I said to her, What's going on with you? You know, I asked her to pop the trunk. Maybe there's just bodies. I don't know what she, I don't know. What, what's wrong with you? She said, you should know when I heard your story, I wasn't sure what to make of it, except that it sounds like you've been through a lot and you've probably become a big person because of it. She said, so I called a very big Russia Shiva in America and I asked him, this is the story of this boy. Should I date him? He said, I don't know. 
She said to Rashi, if this was your own daughter, what would you tell her? He said, if this was my own daughter, I would tell her no. And then she went to the square Rebbe. She lived in Muncie. She went to the square Rebbe. And she said to him, this is the story. The square Rebbe said, not only should you date him, the two of you should grow old and gray together. So she said, I decided at that moment, I'll date you. Because Hashem runs the world, I don't. Even if I date somebody who's healthy, who's to say they won't get sick? So I'll date you and I like you. After that, I mean, I don't know if you ever heard what it sounds like when the angels sing. I got to hear it for that moment. But we got married, but we couldn't have kids. You know, when you go through chemo, you go through that kind of thing. And we did everything the, doc, the doctor said, and we we're going through all the different medical treatments, but it wasn't happening. Three years into marriage, I remembered my promise. Three years into marriage, I said, Hashem, I promised you all those years ago on my bed in the hospital that if you give me a wife and kids of my own, and I will take care of your children with everything that I got. Hashem, I'm ready to make good on my end of the deal. And I went to open a yeshiva called Ruachayim, which I have a few of the students here now. Believe me or not, I don't know. But about a month or two later, my wife became pregnant. When, uh, when she went, what's the thing? You, you put on the stomach with the thing? What's, the, what's it called? The, uh, the ultrasound. When she went for the ultrasound, and I found out that I was having a boy. If you know Moroccan men, knowing that you're having a boy as your first child, it's like winning 10 Super Bowls in a row. It's just what it is. I was just like, yes. And that year, when my beautiful Azriel Nisim was born, at the same exact time, I opened up my yeshiva. And that's some Chadat Torah. I was holding my boy high in my hands, and I was dancing around with Hashem's children. Hashem made good on his deal, and I try every day to make good on mine. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.